Welcome to One Man's Opinion, brought to you by the Elite Fantasy, Fantasy Guru, and EliteSportsBetting.com. And now, here's your host, Jeff Manns. All right, welcome in everybody, a new episode of One Man's Opinion, the podcast that's sweeping the nation. Boy, I am excited. Man, I'm really pumped up as we sit here late May. It's almost draft guide season officially. So pumped up. We've got an hour plus of, I will say fantasy sports goodness, but it's sports. It's today's episode, as you could tell probably from the title, we're going to take on a tough task. Um, It's not the smart thing to do (laughs) career wise. It's not the smart thing to do, you know, for what everybody wants, but you know, um, yeah, we're going to take on some tough topics today, but I promise each and every one of you that we're going to get into uh, a lot of fantasy sports content. I got a lot of fantasy football to talk about. I also got some daily fantasy baseball conversation coming at you a little bit later on as well. This is one man's opinion, the podcast that's sweeping the nation. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for downloading, subscribing, commenting, sharing with a friend, all of that. Uh, we do appreciate it. By the way, I, I just had like a whole bottle of clearly Canadian so like I am bubbled up in my stomach right now. So I'm likely going to burp throughout the course of this episode. Remember this is uncensored. So if you're on the kitties or if you're on Bluetooth, be careful of who may be around you, especially this episode. Cause this one is uh, what they'll say controversial, even though I don't really believe in controversial things shouldn't be as controversial as they are. My name is Jeff Mance. You hear me weekday afternoons on elite sports, Sirius XM fantasy sports radio channel 87, four to 6 PM Eastern every weekday over there. You also find me over at fantasyguru.com. I am part owner of the elite sports network and uh, fantasyguru.com is the place daily fantasy, seasonal fantasy, betting, sports betting, baseball, football, basketball, hockey, esports, PGA, soccer, MMA, every single sport you could even think of or fathom. We've got full coverage for you over there at fantasyguru.com. And speaking of fantasyguru.com, let me shout out my dudes, my coworkers over there. I mean, I don't know how else to say it. You know, I this pot, by the way. So follow me at Jeff underscore Mans on Twitter, the Jeff Mans on Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, and TikTok. Brand new TikTok show coming at you in the very near future. I'll be doing that. Also on Twitter, I'll be doing uh, a new season of fantasy football, talking to car, getting coffee as well. So, I'll, you know, a lot of stuff coming at you in the free variety over there uh, across my social media platforms. So if you are interested, which your podcast listener, hopefully you are, and uh, I will have new and fun content for you rolling out all rest of the year. I'm feeling good. Let me start out this way because it's what's on my mind. What's on my mind is this, is I made a promise to all of you back when I started this podcast two and now almost a half years ago. Right. It's the third season of one man's opinion. I was going to be uncensored. I was going to be unfiltered and, and give you just my thoughts, everything that was going on. And I've taken on some tough topics. I've talked about my parents, uh, their passing. I've talked about cancer, my cancer battle. I've talked about my health issues. I've talked about family members. I've talked about drugs and alcohol and depression and like, you know, and we've had guests on um, and a lot. So, I had a guest lined up for this week and I'm not, I didn't, 
not going to do a guest. It's going to be a solo show because uh, I'm going to, I made this promise and I can't, I won't not fulfill a promise that I make. I don't make a lot of them, but when I do, they're good as gold. And that's to talk about the hot topics and what's going on in the world. And obviously guns, gun control, school shootings. This is, biggest news in the land right now stick to sports you big fucking ape okay fine i will not this is not just a sports show this is one man's opinion i don't expect everybody to agree with any of my thoughts here but uh, you know so let me take you through my mindset i was on the air on sirius xm when the school shooting was announced and everything was breaking loose quite frankly uh my co-host had schuster Phil and Sandra, who I do the show with, we, we were all kind of distracted a little bit by everything going on because, you know, you just, I think universally we all say this is fucking terrible, right? A school should, I mean, how fucking terrible. If you have kids, you know what I'm talking about. It's the scariest thing in the universe. Not, I don't think there's one person that would ever disagree with that sentiment. It's just a scary, terrible time. And our social media involvement during the show, which is usually very, very high, was at an all-time low. It was one of the lowest participations and interactions we've gotten. And where normally I would say, all right, I did a bad job hosting the show or being, you know, whatever on the, on the program. This was a bad show that we did today. Let's do better tomorrow. It wasn't. It was everybody was distracted by it. On SiriusXM, it's not the place to have these kind of talks and things. And we got to toe the line. And that's not a, jo- a jab at Sirius at all. Um, they've not personally sat me down and say, don't do this. It's just, you don't do it. I don't get political. I don't, I don't do that stuff every now and then. I shouldn't say I never do. Sometimes I do. If I have to, I will, but you guys know, I don't have a lenience. I don't lean. I don't, I just think for myself and I've always thought for myself and that's all I will do. And I'll, I will do what I think is right thing to do. And I'll think, do what I think is best for me and the people around me and that need me and, and the people and, that's why I'm ha- going to have this talk today on the shows because that's a lot of you, those who support specifically this podcast. It's my name on it. Um, you know, health issue. You guys, come, you guys that are all listening right now have come back after I took nearly a month off of the podcast because of the health issues and things like that. And we're not going to agree on this, but I still owe you the truth. I still owe you my voice. I still owe you my opinions. Um, you may not want to hear them. And that's totally fine. Fast forward, or you can skip the episode if you want. I will get into fantasy sports. I promise. I'm not, and this isn't going to be a lecture. I like having conversations with people because I really respect other points of view. I may not agree with it, but I respect it. So that's where I'm coming from on this week's episode. Speaking of that truth, though, I want to get back to my crew over at fantasyguru.com. I want to shout out Chris Rose, Jorge Pucks. Uh, CJ Kaltenbach, Ted Schuster, uh, Ryan Clifford, and um, the entire Armando Marsal, Tyler Beaker, Russell Clay, of course, Ray Flowers. Now, see, now I have to name everybody. God damn it. I, I do this because now if somebody hears it, Duke, my guy, Duke, Nick Frazier, uh, love my guy, Duke, and Rich Mileto, and Nick Rodriguez, and Scotty B, Scotty Bonder, Phil Backer, the entire team over there and if i think i got everybody i think i got most of the people you got this my team is at the top of their game right now 
and we're, we're really starting to crush. I say we, I shouldn't take any credit because I am having a pretty modest year in daily fantasy baseball. Uh, and a lot of that's because I haven't been writing the cash game breakdowns as I normally would have because of the health issues. And the, one of the great things is I haven't had to. I fully anticipated a couple of weeks ago that as soon as I was 100%, I'd have to jump back in. I haven't had to do that because these guys are putting in great work and great job and stepping up. It hasn't been a massively profitable endeavor, Daily Fantasy Baseball, yet. We have, we've had some screenshots. CJ hit for 30000 you know, early April, and we, we've had a couple notable wins. But overall, you know, it's been hit and miss and miss and hit and hit and miss in, in that the last week or two. And specifically last week where we've had our guys, CJ, Chris Rose, the absolute fucking legend that is Chris Rose, one of the great people that I know in this industry. Um, so proud, man, of this guy's ability, grinding, dealing with things. And I've had him on the podcast. We'll have him again, grinding out and putting up top-notch work, putting in the effort, like the actual you know, ability to, to just rattle off the numbers and rattle off the plays and, and know because he's so prepared, but also, you know, works a second job. I don't think that's a secret to anybody out there. Um, has a family, has been through a lot, you know, getting his family right the last couple of years. And so I just could not respect and, and love a coworker more than I do with Chris Rose and what he's been through and a guy more deserving of, um, you know, the massive hits that he had over last weekend and even into this week as I'm recording this. And Jorge Pucks won a GPP over the weekend, took top 10 in another GPP just yesterday, Tuesday, before I'm recording this episode. Um, and, you know, these guys are crushing it. And I'm very, very excited. I'm happy. I believe in the atmosphere of winning. I believe in a culture of winning. And it doesn't always happen at the right time. It doesn't always happen when you expect it or when you want it or when you need it even. But if you keep going, keep pushing, keep putting in that effort, the effort, the work, the work breeds the winning. And that's what we do over fantasy guru. And this team is just there. And then expanding on that with Tyler Armando, Russell clay, and what we're doing with the draft guide, the Phil Backer and Ray flowers, Ted Schuster. It's just um, fantastic. You know, the product that I'm very proud of what we're doing this year. I am so I'm dying. We have a big announcement to make like a real big announcement. And unlike other companies, unlike our competitors in fantasy sports, and unlike most people on social media, you know, when you hear me say a big announcement, I'm not getting a new job. I'm not doing, you know, it's not about, we, I just hired uh, Brett Wachowski, brand new hire for us at the Elite Mafia. Uh, Brett, I hope to get Brett on the podcast here eventually as well. He's going to be contributing. He's one of the better cash game DFS baseball players and NBA players. There are very great addition to our staff. He's been around the industry, worked for sports franchises. Like he's got inside knowledge. I'm so excited uh, to be for Brett to be joining our team. Um, I'll, well, I'll make an announcement, but our announcements are about you. It's about our users, are about our subscribers, our customers, our elite mafia, our people. Whether you are a paid member 
or maybe just listen to our podcast, or our shows, uh, XM, or or follow our my guy Duke on Twitter, or every, you know, whatever it is, any capacity. You're all family. That's what mafia means. That's what we believe in. And I got a big announcement. I can't say it yet, but I'm going to prompt make you a promise. And as I started to show out, when I make a promise, that it means something. I promise you that when the draft guide launches on June 1st over at fantasyguru.com, you're going to have an opportunity to get the draft guide that includes all in-season content and coverage, just like normal, all the stuff. You're also going to have additions because um, we have off-season package. We have elite data brand new thing that is just incredible. One of the most incredible tools. I could actually announce that if I need to make an announcement. Elite data, data, data. It's fantastic. It's one of the great, you could sit there at your desk or on your phone and just scroll through tons and tons and uh, red zone data and uh, recency data and uh, you know different scoring formats data, all the stuff that you want in a clean, customized uh, environment. A brand new my guru tool my guru my guru tool the last couple of years has been clunky it you know the import export has worked fine but then you know the customized leagues take some manual overwriting it, it's you know you get this kind of technology it's it needs a lot of wrenching well we just paved it man we did a whole rebuild We're very excited about our my guru tool for this coming season as well um elite plus podcasting network, our 50 podcasts, our in-season pod, all this, all the stuff that we're doing, you want the entire package. And trust me when I say that, because there's another item that we're doing late in the summer that if you're listening to this podcast is a 90% chance that you're going to want to be involved with it. Cause I think it's one of the coolest things that's ever been done in fantasy sports and we're very proud and we're very excited and you will want this. And it, it is going to be, I'll, I'll just say it, it'll be something that's included with the all in package over at fantasyguru.com. And the all in package, that means just seasonal. That's not our DFS product. It's not our betting product. Okay. That is just our seasonal stuff. That means the franchise mode, elite data, elite plus draft guide and end season package, the whole enchilada. Okay, now gonna be a little more expensive. That and that's why we're doing the a la carte opportunity with all the discounts for bundling. We've we have gone over our pricing majorly because prices have gone the fuck up. Our servers cost more than ever, our data is costing more than ever. The technology for the my guru tool and our elite data, all this shit is costing more than it's ever cost in the past. Um and so, you know, we've had to find a way to raise prices that is good enough for our customers and give you an opportunity to get in the same price point, or if you want to add more, it's your opportunity. So, but our all-in subscribers will be included into this event for free. Otherwise, there will be a cost if you want to join later, which is, you know, up to you. But our all-in customers will get it. Fantasyguru.com. That's all right. I got. I, I'm gonna fucking run the whole thing, and I'm absolutely, positively not supposed to have said any of that as it 
is. So get in there. Uh, I got a lot to talk about today. A lot. I'm going to get into the uh, some best ball conversation as well. Best ball strategies, best ball targets in fantasy football. You know, try to win the $2 million. This podcast is sponsored by underdogfantasy.com. Uh, join now, double your first deposit with the promo code elite E L I T E. Also, when you use that promo code, you will be alerted and announced when I am drafting, when Armando and Tyler and all of us are drafted. You'll see that you'll be able to see what drafts we've done. Make sure <laughs> that we're drafting according to you know what we preach. You will be, you know, if I'm in a draft, you can hop in and we can draft together, you know, and all that good stuff. It's all part of the technology at underdogfantasy.com, but only when you use the promo code elite, E-L-I-T-E. And um, so get over there, check it out as well. So um, that I'll talk basketball. I got ask Mance anything coming up later on in this, uh, this show as well, but let's get to it. You, you see the title of this episode, episode number 112 guns. Let's talk about guns. I think we need to, I'm not going to make this a long thing, but here's something. Here's my point of view on, on the whole issue is that, Number one, I don't think there's a human being that can't, that isn't like crazy sad when a school shooting, school shootings are just too far. It's too far to go, right? There's a limit. There's violence in the world. There's war. There's a lot, you know, there's a lot of bad things and bad things that are, that are sadly necessary as well. However, there's also just bad, bad, and more bad, and that's what a school shooting things do. Should we overreact? No. Should we underreact? No. I think that my stance on guns comes down to this. I am an embarrassed gun owner. Most people say I'm a proud gun owner. I'm not. I'm not proud. Um, Not something I'm proud of. I don't. I grew up in an environment where I didn't grow up in South. I grew up in South side as <laughs> Chicago. I wasn't, but guns were around. They weren't that prevalent. It's not like in the South. I live in the South now, or, you know, your open carry laws, people have guns everywhere where I am now. I've got family members that are from Arkansas that, you know, just normal. And, you know, when I grew up, I didn't really respect or understand that as an older man. Now I, I totally understand that guns were a part of life and it's natural to people when you grow up in an environment that you don't have guns lying around. And it is shocking to see people open carry. When I first moved to Arizona, it was wild. Like, Holy shit. These guys are, I'm in the grocery store. Guys just got a fucking revolver on his hip. Like, Oh, this is fine. And now I don't think twice about it. And, you know, so it's a different environment. I think the people that want, gun control or outlaw guns and all that don't understand that element. Right. However, people that want guns, and I say, I'm a, I didn't get a gun until years after living here, probably three for before the pandemic. Uh, yeah. Like two years before the pandemic, 2018, 2019. Um, and it's a protection issue. I, I've grown as I get older, I'm, I'm old and scared. I'm f- fragile, but my, you know, mine's locked away. And, you know, we're a place where nobody knows and, and all that kind of stuff. So uh, it's not semi-automatic. It's just a pistol, not a big deal. Okay. Um, in my opinion, to some of you, maybe that surprises you. I, I don't really advertise this 
part or whatever. I th- think it was necessary and something that is done down here. Um, protection. Uh, that's the reason I give. Is it hundred percent accurate or truthful? I don't know. My, I think I want to think it is, but probably not. I think having a gun gives you a little bit of power. It makes you feel that way. It shouldn't absolutely shouldn't, but it does gives you a little bit. You get that feeling. And I think that's a problem where gun owners are, you know, people that have buy multiple guns and semi-automatic guns, this, that isn't about protection or anything else. That is about power. That's all you want. You just want to be able to blow away anybody else who comes in. You want to have the most ammunition compared to your opponent. That's the way you're looking at the world. You can lie to yourself or anybody else all you want. You can lie to Congress and senators and you you can do all that, but that's really what you're doing. We, any human being knows it, right? Nobody's using an automatic weapon to hunt a deer. (laughs) Come on. You know what I mean? Should use a crossbow anyway, and true hunter knows that. But, you know, fine. Um, so where do I stand? I think that uh, we need restrictions on who needs to buy a gun because this isn't a gun problem. It's a human problem. We have to understand that a good percentage of us are fucking stupid, right? And that includes myself. There are topics in which... I am very smart, intelligent, wise, experienced on. There are other topics where I'm fucking stupid. This is one of them, by the way. This is one where I'm pretty stupid on it, but I'm going to say my piece because, again, the promise I've made, I, this is what I believe, and I've thought about it, thought about for years with the shootings and not just schools, but fucking movie theaters, grocery stores. Like, what, what the fuck are we doing? And that's the problem. It's not a gun problem. It's a person problem. But you can't give those people. We are a free country, but we're not really a free country. There's no such thing. Free is really a matter of we could vote and we could, you know, we control our election process and shit like that. It's not that we can do whatever the fuck we want, whenever the fuck we want, however the fuck we want. That's never been the case since day one. It's not a case anywhere. All right. Um, so that the people that think they want freedom think, oh, I'll just have guns. And then I control the people that don't have guns, freedom, whether you admit it or not. That's what this whole thing is, power mode. And we got to take guns away from those types of people. People that don't need guns, you don't need a gun. I'll say this, poor people don't need a gun. Jeff Vance growing up didn't need a gun. Now, Jeff Vance never had a gun until, again, he was 40 years old. Why? Because who the fuck cares? What are they going to do? For one, nobody's nobody wants to rob you, right? When you're poor, and the ones that do are going to take nothing that really matters anyway, right? And I get it. I grew up in a poor area. It, it's sort of, and there was more crime, but the crime wasn't any. You know, they didn't really have much intent. They want to take your TV, your video game system, big fucking deal, your car radio. You know, I mean, that shouldn't be that big a deal. I get it that it is, you know, especially when you you don't earn a lot of money, you don't have a lot of opportunity. I get it, but it's not the biggest loss in the world. Oh, those were core radio. Um, Now you got a cell phone. It doesn't matter anyway, but 
uh, what are you defending? What do you need it? You don't need guns for that. It's not just a class situation. It's when you know people are in gangs, when you know people have mental health issues, when you know people have just look, by the way, we live in one of the easiest times ever to know what somebody's about. We need to start using social media to underwrite everybody. If I'm telling you guys this, I, I am in charge of hiring and firing here at, at the Elite Sports Network. I am telling every single person out there, oh, when I consider you for a raise, when I consider you for a promotion, for demotion, for to fire you, hire you, and I get, you guys know who I've fired over the last few years, I absolutely look at your social media. I comb through that motherfucker like with a fine tooth comb and every even moderately intelligent business owner, manager, HR person, everybody does the same, right? It's hilarious. It's not hilarious. I shouldn't say hilarious, but it's, it's awe, awe striking when we see somebody shoot up the school, like we saw in Texas and then people come out, Oh, well, look at them on social media. Yeah. Why the fuck aren't we stopping it? That, that's number one. Number one, underwrite every person. When they want a gun license, that's what you do. Number one, limit the manufacturing on guns. You don't need, there's, there needs to be a cap. Just like in Major League Baseball or f- football, where there's a salary cap. There's a cap. How many guns you need? How many? I'm fine having guns. I'm fine having them around, especially in respectable people's hands. Even the people that like I've learned in Arizona and again, for some of you, maybe where I grew up in Chicago, California and some places like that. Um, it's, it's surprising to hear me talk to this. And, but the thing is you get used to it because there are some of the people that are fighting for gun rights are very wise, very you know, smart, successful people that know how to handle themselves that don't flail a gun around like, Yosemite fucking Sam, you know what I mean? Like idiots, but that's how some people paint all gun owners and all people that are gun advocates. So that's not taking away all the guns. Isn't, isn't the answer. Right. Um, But it comes down to people. And, and let me tell you all the gun owners, this, this is coming from a fellow gun owner. Let's be honest. And what you have, there comes a point in all of our lives where it's just enough, where we understand you're good, you're okay, you do the right thing, but some other asshole has now ruined it for all of us, right? And, and I mean, in investing, and like cryptocurrency, the fucking you know, bottoming out of Aura and uh, um, uh, whatever the other, the other one that sunk, into the dirt, you know, I mean, they ruin it for the entire industry that this is one of the reasons, by the way, in fantasy sports, why I, I, I fight so hard and why I'm such an outsider in my own industry. Now, after being an insider for a while is because I talk out about this because I see people ripping other people off. And I know that just because Jeff Manns or FantasyGuru.com is on the up and up and we're transparent and we're honest. I know just because of that, if somebody else 
rips somebody off, lies to a customer, misleads a customer, it, it, it negatively influences all of us. It's all of our problem. I will pay the price because somebody, you know, in our, you could lie to ourselves. I tell my people this all the time. Somebody may get fucked over at another company, but that person, it, it, we want to believe that, oh, they'll just come find us. No, when they get fucked over another company for your content, you know, they're led to believe that they win all the time or, you know, what they have all the answers and they're optimizers, the golden God, whatever. They don't, that's not what really happens. When somebody gets fucked over, they just stay, fuck this. They think all content providers are con artists or ripoff artists or misleading. I get called that a lot. Like, you know, I get called all kinds of stuff. Oh, um, you see it. Um, I wouldn't say a lot, but I, I get called that, you know, a couple of times each year, uh, what they call snake oil. And so it's like, no, man, it's no, no. You think that because somebody else misled you and you hear me saying some of the same things, you see me screenshotting or talking about wins and you think that, but it's not the truth. Everything with me is documented. I've been on the air. I've been in the public light for 12 years. It's just, how I live everything nowadays. I, I assume everything's recorded. I assume everything's on video. That's the way it is. But if somebody else in my industry screws somebody over, I'm going to pay the price. That's how us gun owners have to understand it now too. We're going to pay the price for fucking idiots. And there's not much we could do to fight back to a certain degree. That's why we need to come together and, and get reasonable with this. There's no 18-year-old that needs a gun. What about the soldiers and stuff? Well, I, I think we're smart enough to know the difference from somebody defending the country and in training and under the watchful eye of the United States government versus a kid in his parents' bedroom where his parents don't give a shit because they're on crack and they're out fucking around on each other anyway and the whole family's a piece of shit. You know, I, I think we know the difference, right? Like the, that's another thing. No, none of the, the liberals and the conservatives, you guys are never going to figure out anything as long as you dig into the extremes. Stop living in the fucking extremes. It, even this terrible tragedy. It, it's, you can't act like this just goes everywhere every day. No, no, it's absolutely not. It doesn't represent all gun owners. It doesn't represent, represent everybody. Right. But gun owners can't deny that this is a major fucking problem in, in what they want. So why can't we just figure out a way to come together and say, all right, gotta be 21 plus something like that. 25 plus fucking, you don't even get a deal on a rental car to 25, right? 25 plus 21 plus whatever you want. You have to pass. You have to, you can't have mental health issues. You shouldn't be worrying about guns with mental health issues. No, you shouldn't be. You have other problems. Um, you shouldn't be allowed to own an entire array of weaponry either, because what are you doing, man? Don't need all those weapons. Again, I believe in it for self-protection and, and that kind of stuff, but I have one pistol. I, I just know why I'm not going to go out guns blazing. Somebody's that you got to part of it is just understanding that if somebody comes for you, literally guns a blazing that that then that's it yeah that's it it's just like heart attack or certain things that we need to come up with internally inside of our own brains that say 
you know, if, if, well, what if lightning strikes me when I'm, well, then you're dead or, or you're not, you either live or you die. But if lightning strikes you, what are you going to do? You can't live freaking out about these extremes all the time. You miss out on the good part of life by doing that. All right. So you don't need a billion weapons. You don't need dozens of weapons. It's just not something that's necessary. You want power. You want to have an advantage over the next gun owner, blah, blah, blah. That's what you, some of you want. So that's a problem. We don't need that. Those kind of restrictions, but you can still keep your weapon. You know, I mean, it's just simple that you can't carry. There is apps. I think everybody would agree that anywhere on a campus, any college, high school, grade school, any, any playground, a weapon is absolutely banned. Absolutely not. Unless you have a security guard or something like that, which I had security guards in my schools growing up all the time. And they had weapon in Illinois. Come to think of it. I think they actually had a taser. It wasn't a gun. It looked like a gun, but it was a taser back then. Um, but I went to shitty schools, right? And um, fortunately, my kids don't have security guards and shit at their schools. And I don't know if that, sometimes I wonder if that's a good thing or not. But we, we, need to, we, we need to come up with a better plan. But that will never happen as long as you guys all dig in on your crazy opposite sides. And it may enrage you that I say that, but go fuck yourself. And it's all like, I mean, seriously, if you're going to be a little baby bitch, about your side and you know then you're net you're just one of those people that will never be a decision maker right you just can't when you see one extreme or the other and you get excited because one of your extreme guys or gals get a senator spot or house of representatives or god forbid president and then you get excited because oh my extreme thoughts are that and then it never works out i've seen it i've been through all of it i've been through the jimmy carter years i've been through the donald trump years i've been through clinton i've been through all this shit none of them make a real difference they you know you just feel better because oh it's my side but it's not real it does nothing for you you every one of you you do you control your life no politician or anybody else controls what you do and um sooner we all stand up and say all right it's time to get real on gun control and it's time to get real on your gun policy and that until that happens, all this is just bullshit. And again, it, it is ridiculous with the thoughts and prayers. I, I agree. I didn't say anything. I thought about it. I feel it in my heart, but I'm not going to say it. Not, I'm not going to do any of that shit on social media because it doesn't help. By the way, can we also stop? Like, I think one of the big things to do is stop talking about the school shootings. I know you may think, well, how can you do it? No, stop. Stop even. That's Isn't that what this fucking asshole who went in there to do? Isn't that what he wants? Don't say his name or his family. Don't say what he's been through or his social media. That's what these people think. That They think they can't wait for that. And you don't understand. Those of us with teenage kids understand how important Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, these things are so important to a segment of our population. That's what they want. They will do anything, literally anything. People whip their dicks out on social media because they think, oh, uh, they will do anything it takes to get attention, anything. And this is the depths that they'll go to. 
So stop giving them that attention. That's all. You, that's that's a major part of this. Stop giving them the attention. Stop talking. You could talk. There's a shooting in Texas. Don't give the school out. Don't give the person out. Fuck them. Not the victims, but don't know. For one, the victims deserve the respect of privacy and their ability to mourn. And, and, and I mean, the unbearable. I mean, what those parents and teachers are going through. I mean, that's the rest of their lives, folks. Think about that. The rest of their lives. They'll never. Would you ever feel safe again? Right. And gun owners, isn't that the same? It's the same thing that the feeling that you have when you have your gun and you feel like, all right, I'm safe. I got, I got my weaponry against that's the same way your fellow man feels when they don't have one, you know, or they, the way they used to feel the safety, they used to feel not being around guns. It's the same feeling. So, and when, you bring a gun into their atmosphere, into their school or movie theater or grocery store. That's the feeling that you will have, would have, may have, when they take your guns completely away. So can we just agree somehow, like a fucking society, that, oh, maybe it's okay for us to have guns to guns to exist in the universe, but it's not okay to give them to mentally unstable 18 year olds who, you know, advertise them all over their social media. You know what I mean? Is this, is that, am I either, a, I want to know at Jeff underscore man, am I a genius? Or, or is this just something we all kind of know and nobody wants to talk about it? Right. It's kind of like the drafting a running back and have to draft a running back in the first round. We all know we don't have to. We all know that it's, there's a high bust rate, but we're doing it anyway. Well, it's the way it's always done. Go back two podcasts ago to the five monkey theory and tell me that that's what happens. We all just, well, that's the way it's always been. That's what it's got to be. And then we just dig in further and further and further. Anyway, all right. That's my thoughts on that. Um, Viable solutions. I think I got them. I mean, as I say, it just, it seems easy, but nothing, nothing's easy until you, in, until you have an environment that advocates open-mindedness and compromise, right? Everybody wants their extremes and everybody's so entitled in today's world, but it's okay to give up a little to get to live in a better society. It really is. And we all know it in our hearts. We all know it in our minds. I mean, we really do. I'll put 80% of the population. We really know it. Whether you admit it outwardly or not, in your heart, you know it's right. So just, if we all just start pulling on that range, then the decision makers have no choice. Get to the table. Talk to your enemies, by the way. Don't be afraid Right? Don't, don't, I don't understand where everything goes to violence. Like, we see that ball games now. People have to fight all the fucking time. Like, what are you doing? What kind of assholes are all of us that just have to fight? You go, I'm a, I'm a Cincinnati Reds fan. But I'm a Seattle Mariners fan. Fuck you. No, fuck you. Like, we're going to fight. Like, what is wrong? What the fuck is wrong with all of us? Good grief. All right. Um, there you go. Uh, that's my that's my thought on guns. Um, 
I would say I do. I hate the fact that it happens to kids in elementary schools. It's the worst as a parent. It's the scariest fuck. I do say the problem with our kids are not the kids. It's the problem with our kids is us, uh, the parents. It's the worst generation of parents there has ever been. And I believe the invention of not just the internet, but uh, not the invention, but the, the social media, more people in their late thirties and forties are into their, their online persona. They care more about what people think and Thus, they use their kids as tokens. They use their kids as shiny objects. They advertise all their kids' good things as if that's how their life is, and it's an extension of them. But they don't actually treat their kids like human beings. And these kids aren't going to be kids forever. Kids turn into adults, right? They, these shitty kids, your shitty kids, turn into shitty adults, Right. So that's a major problem. Um, parents are the problem. Big discussion for another day. Let's get to it. I did uh, ask man's anything uh, at Jeff underscore man's over there. A lot of topics I want to talk about here as well. So you guys did a great job at asking questions. I'm going to ask answer as many of these as I can. Um, all right. Here's one that it says, what is your most profitable vessel? of money earned through the NFL season as why high stakes leagues, DFS betting, best ball. I would assume DFS, but why most profitable vessel? Um, it's DFS daily fantasy football. Um, I've won high stakes leagues. So when I win a league like that, I get three grand, something like that. Um, I don't play. So the, I think it's the way I play that. My high stakes seasonal leagues, max I ever play like three. Yeah, maybe I play like four, but yeah, I play an NFFC team, an FFPC, usually two FFPC teams. Occasionally I've done FFWC. So, like, you know, about four. And I've never had a year where I've won like multiple leagues. In high stakes, I'm trying to think if I did like back before DFS was invented. I can't remember. Um, I don't know, but he, he, I, I really don't remember that. So I'm going to say no. Um, so I, if I win, if I'm profitable in high stakes, I'm usually profiting about two grand to three grand. Right. And I've never won an overall. I've placed in the overall money once in my entire career there. Like most, I mean, I'm not making excuses, but that's a, um, it's like a GPP where now 90% of people multi-enter those contests. So I don't even, I play a high stakes league. I don't even consider the overall, I don't even think about it. It's not even a, not even something that's on my radar. I don't, I try to win my league. That's all I try to do. Betting is new, very profitable last year. Um, you know, that's an interesting thing. Cause I didn't get, I don't think my, I don't think my W2 had, I don't think it had, or uh, whatever, 1099. Um, I don't think it had betting. I think like FanDuel just gave me one. I don't think I had one for betting and for DFS. Um, I think they just lumped it in. So I, I've, I know how much I won in betting last year. I don't have it in front of me though, unfortunately. But DFS, I, I win like a, almost 2,000 a week 
in daily fantasy. And then I have about four losing weeks. That's about four grand I lose. So 12, let's say on average winning weeks of at least two grand plus 24 grand. I mean, that's roughly about, yeah. So that's, that's my best uh, vessel. Best ball. I have, uh, you know, best ball is one of those things I get paid in January. I'm like, Oh, cool. I totally forgot about it. And, you know, usually a couple hundred bucks. I think I had one, I had a good on RT sports a few years ago. I had like $1,500 or something, but best ball, like I've said lately is a great Avenue to train, to be better in your seasonal leagues. And I love underdog where you have $2 million top prize, $1 million for second, 500 for third. It's unbelievable. That kind of money really is, but you know, you do it, but it's, it's a tournament and DFS is the one thing that I take as if it's on my payroll, it's my paycheck and it's cash games. I, I, I was, I'm fortunate to hit a couple times a year, a big GPP win, like a nice, like, uh, 6,000, I think it was a $6,000 week, um, last year and another $4,000 week. So, you know, that pads onto it. I only am profitable in about four to six, maybe four to eight weeks of GPP play, um, in, in DFS, but it pays for the year, you know, and you kind of just grind your way out until eventually you hit a big one and then it pays for your entire life really so that is that um my guy dennis roy said what is the airspeed velocity of a <laughs> you land in swallow unladen swallow i have no idea no <laughs> i love my guy dennis roy uh, i like that guy a lot at roy dog underscore 13 on twitter everybody what uh what do you think of potential points being a determining factor for draft slots in some dynasty leagues. Um, I, I don't know what potential points I don't, is, is this like a new thing? I have no idea what that means. Truth be told. I'm, I'm at least I'm, as I'm sitting here, I'm blanking on it um, for players or for, for your, what your potential draft slot is. So they basically, Oh, I think, I think I know this is projected points. So you're going by what you're, the makeup of your current team and what your projected total would be with all the, your current roster. Um, I don't like it. Uh, I, I don't like it for draft slots. Um, you know how you finished last year. See the, the, the problem with that is we're, you know, if you're managing your dynasty league correctly, you are, you shouldn't have, or, <laughs> Very rarely are you going to the year you're going to turn around your dynasty league or dynasty team in a rebuild. Nobody's going to look at your team like, Oh, that team's pretty good. No, it's always the, the sneaky team. You want those guys that nobody's really that you see it. You know, think of like chase Claypool this year. Like Nobody seems to think right that nobody's really, nobody's looking at, chase claypool as anything it's it's almost mesmerizing to me about him in particular just because uh everybody's on george pickens like wow okay it's it's just a weird like you know what i mean so like he could be a breakout nobody's looking at uh, christian kirk despite a big contract and he's in a good spot or alec pierce in indianapolis is in a good spot or 
you know, like Zach Ertz at tight end, I think is being overlooked because Hopkins being out, a lot of receptions for him. Like there are certain players that when you start looking at projected point totals and expected points or possible points, those guys aren't going to be looked at very good. So I guess, I mean, in a way that helps those teams, you don't, you're not projected for much, but I think it's kind of just a shitty thing. I just, I think it just comes down to all the X don't, I really despise the entire idea of expectations. I, cause I think everybody's too lazy. I don't think we put in the right kind of work. It's like the strength of schedule conversation when the schedules came out a few weeks ago oh, this good 571 winning percentage those teams are different come on you know the seattle seahawks are different this year in 2022 than 2021 come on you know that you know miami's looking up right you know vegas made big strides you know detroit is not as bad you know chicago's worse you, you know these teams you know baltimore's gonna be better pittsburgh's gonna be worse we we know we know those types of things, but you can't project that because you got everything's going to be the same. So no, um, Chad Cooner uh, asks, I'm always curious how many leagues the casual fantasy players in what's the average amount of leagues you and your staff are in. Oh boy. I'm probably in the least. No, I, you know, I did a thing a couple of years ago where I cut it to 10. I'm not going to do more than 10. And then last year I did 20. I've gotten like way into drafting back into drafting the last couple of years. I don't know why. And I said yes to a bunch of industry drafts this year as well that I'm already regretting probably shouldn't have taken on that many. <sighs> so how many leagues, somebody in the industry, I'd say, I'd say 10 leagues is the average. And then I, I know guys like Mike Dempsey that if you count best ball leagues, I mean, you might, he might have 150 drafts, right? I mean, seriously. Like there's, there's people that do that many and there's some that don't, that are, you know, especially there's a segment of the fantasy industry that are really their baseball people, but they pretend to do football just because they kind of need to pay the bills. So they're really in baseball leagues. So they'll do a couple football leagues that drives the average down a little bit. So there you go. Uh, in super flex leagues, who are the best bottom half quarterbacks I can target? Well, everybody else pays up. Okay. Love this question. I think, you know, quarterbacks on um, guys that are being drafted as QB twos, that could be QB ones. That's really this conversation. I think Derek Carr is the poster child for this. I think that Tua Tagliavoa as well. Um, another guy with massive offensive line upgrades, Tyree Kill upgrade. Jalen Waddle upgrade. There's a lot with Tua that he could produce. I think Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields have that skill set. I think Lawrence is a much better opportunity to be a QB one in fantasy than Fields just because he's got a much better supporting cast, but Fields is a better runner. Um, but those are some guys as well. Matt Ryan, Matt Ryan, I don't think will be a QB one. They run the ball too much. And then he doesn't run the ball. Um, but as a, in a super flex league, he's an absolute target of mine later. His current, current ADP is 161, puts him like it's a 14th round. I mean, super late. Well, that's in a one quarterback league. So in a two QB league, yeah, it's about pick 60 something. So about seventh, sixth, seventh round for Matt Ryan. I, I think Daniel Jones is a QB too. I cannot 
advocate for Daniel Jones as a QB one, but I think Brian DeBall going to New York, he's playing for a contract. There's a lot that upgrades the offensive line, huge, great wide receiving core. Kadarius Tone, Wandale Robinson, Sterling Shepard, Darius Lake, Kenny Gallup, Saquon Barkley. Like, my God, loaded, but I can't trust him as a number one. And he's a ru- rushing threat at, at quarterback. So, you know, I think that's a, uh, Another possibility. One of the tricks to use is look at the rushing yards of quarterbacks and then the rushing yards of quarterbacks and look at who is going to make the, cause that nowadays, those 10, especially younger quarterbacks, those numbers tend to stand pat while they develop and evolve throwing the football. And you look at a guy like, uh, well, Jalen Hurts, for instance, led the league 784 or 10 touchdowns rushing through for 3,100 yards. If he throws for 3,500 yards and 20 touchdowns, which isn't that big of an upgrade, but still rushes for that kind of production. I mean, you're talking about the number one QB in fantasy football. It, Justin Fields ran for 420 yards, fifth most of all quarterbacks. And the guy only played 10 games last year. So only two touchdowns. You get some progression on that. Trevor Lawrence, 334 yards, eighth most in uh, the NFL last year in um, amongst quarterbacks running the ball as well. So he, he, Daniel Jones was 11th and he only played 10 games uh, running the football. We've seen what he could do. So those are some of the sneaky ways to assess quarterbacks. But uh, yeah, I mean, I am of the mind in two QB leagues, get yourself a stud, get yourself the Justin Herbert, Lamar Jackson, somebody in that range, and then come back with your Fields, Lawrence Jones types. Um, best way to manage bankroll as a sports better tips and tricks you have used and follow. Tips and tricks for bankroll. You got to set a budget. I mean, that's really to manage your bankroll, is, it's simple. Have a budget. That's it. Just I'm only spending this much. And if I, if you don't win, you don't play. It's, it's like I, I'm a, the king of midnight snacks, right? And in my house with my kids and stuff, I don't let, you know, very, I don't care if they want cookies or unhealthy foods or snacks at times, but if they don't eat their meals, they don't get those snacks. And I, I use that for myself as well. Like, you know, you're not going to fill your stomach on junk. And that's what like GPPs and, overall contests and high stakes community and stuff like that. Just put yourself on a budget. And when you're winning, then you get the goodies. If you don't win, you don't get the goodies. Right. So that's, that's the best advice I could have for bankroll management. It's just no, say I am $500 for the year, hundred dollars a week or, or whatever, $50 a week, maybe over a 10 week span or whatever, something like that. And stick to it. That's and do not, and that fifty dollars a week doesn't mean fifty-two dollars a week or fifty-four. It means fifty dollars. If you want to go forty-eight, fine, but don't go oh, fifty-six dollars just like fifty. No, no, no. Strict, strict attention to detail when it comes to your money. Um, who's the back half of the draft player you'll have on every team? Ooh, like this question coming from our Josh. Um, guys, well, I mean, I'm going to have a lot of Miko Hardman. 
I think, you know, I will have a Miko Hardman, on a lot of teams. Um, Corey Davis, I think has a more than fair chance of being the number one in New York over Elijah Moore uh, or uh, Garrett Wilson. Um, those two, um, to, to, to try to think of other, you know, I like some deeper flyers like David Bell and Cleveland. I have some interest there. Um, uh, at running backs, running back, back half guys, uh, you know, super late. I mean, that, that comes down to running back Isaiah Spiller, I suppose. If, if people in my league are not going to handcuff Austin Eckler, then I'll swoop in and take Spiller round 10 or round 11 and just be like, all right, well, fuck it. I'll wait for Eckler to go down. Cause I, I saw Eckler. I was on him last year. So I know, I know he'll miss some time. I know he's going to miss some time. He's one of those guys. So I'll scoop in with Isaiah Spiller. No problem. Um, Ronald Jones, the guy that's intriguing to me. I've talked to, I talked to him up on the Sirius XM show as far as a best ball guy, but he could be the red zone. He's going to be the Daryl Williams. Clyde Edwards Hilaire is more and more out of favor and not a goal line entity. And why did they sign Ronald Jones? Sort of an unfounded signing by the chiefs who were trying to cut payroll and had to do so by trading their best weapon in Tyree kill. So, you know, there's a reason Jones is here. And I think that will come with some fantasy production as well. Um, Tyreon Davis price, the running back from San Francisco. I'll, I'll probably take a super late round shot on him in a bunch of leagues where I'm thinner at running back. And I need sort of a, you know, I need a third guy to step up at some point. I think I'll take that chance. Um, I'm going to have Zach Ertz. any league where I don't get Kyle Pitts in the third or fourth round. Maybe, maybe George Kittle, but if I don't, I'll likely just wait until it's go one ten. So that's what tenth round is when Zach Ertz is uh, going. I'll, I'll wait to that point for him. Um, Evan Ingram and super deep drafts at the tight end position is the direction I would go on that. So there you go. Do you have any? Uh, Mike Ross wants to know. Do you have any game? Draft day superstitions. Oh, a lot. Like I, I'm, dude. My brain ain't right. My brain is not right. I, I have to. Um, I have to have. Jesus, I'd sit in the same chair. I have to have the same. My mo, my most important games. I have a matrix spread on my uh, theater screen, so I could have up to eight games on one screen, and I've got two side TVs as well, so up to ten games possible. I have to have the most important games on the bottom um, row of the matrix as opposed to the top. Um, I have to put my notebook on the exact same arm of my chair that I sit in. Um, I have to eat lunch during halftime of the first games when a uh, majority of the games are going to halftime. Um, man, I, I've got a lot of them. I should probably, I, we've done top fives on this before. So that's that. I wear the Jersey. If I have a Jersey of somebody that I'm playing in DFS, I have to wear that Jersey. My son and I both partake in that one. Um, yeah, I mean those are some those some I, I I have a lot like I have to have things my way 
as far as like my work is concerned and my producers, Phil and Sandro know this and Ted and Ray, people that work with me know I'm, I'm a creature of habit. I'm very big on timing. Like I have to, I will hit every mark timing wise. Always. My wife even says it's, it's uncanny. We have to leave the house. If we had to be somewhere, you know, that's 12 minutes away. I will, you know, and it's 15 minutes till that time. I won't even be halfway ready, but by 48 after I will be out the door and ready to go. Cause it's 12 minutes like that kind of, that kind of shit. My brain is rigged for it. So there you go. What's stopping Kelsey from getting hundred catches this year? Age. Age is the only thing I could think that's really stopping him. That's almost automatic. Do you have a favorite wrestler of all time? Uh, I have a lot of favorite wrestlers of all time. Hulk Hogan. I can't deny it. Just, I grew up in the Hulk Hogan age and era. So loved him to death. Um, the British Bulldogs were like my low key, like really like them as far as the tag team. And then Randy Macho Man said, Oh yeah, the Macho Man. Randy Savage. Uh, those were those were a couple uh, of my favorites there as well. Um, another question: Ask Man's anything. Last year we were so high in Allen Robinson, Robbie Anderson, Javante Eckler, etc. When you are so into these players, how do you diversify your rosters so we're, we are not doubling down every roster post draft to basically be the same? Yeah, I mean diversification. See. On the SiriusXM show today, Wednesday, the 25th of May, I talked about confidence. And we had a caller that was – it was a really great caller. Uh, I think it was Tim was the name of the gentleman that called in. And he sort of – you know, it was great because he let me do a promo about Fantasy Guru, and it's great. Although I feel bad. I, I, You know, I love you guys calling, and I want you to keep doing it. Bludgeon the phones. Keep doing it. But I will say that like, I start feeling like, you know, if, if I was listening to this in the car and I heard somebody constantly call up about Fantasy Guru, I would be like, this motherfucker's planting these calls. Like this motherfucker is getting people to call to do that, right? And I swear on my family, I have never done that. Never. I've never planted a phone call to talk about a certain topic or something. Never, never, ever. You could ask any of my producers in my life. Um, just don't like that. But I, I like when people call and it gives me the opportunity to talk about it. Um, I'm super confident. So I don't diversify my rosters. Not very much. When I miss on a guy like, like I hit on Javante and Eckler when I miss on Allen Robinson and Robbie Anderson, uh, Allen Robinson was a really big miss. Like that one hurt because of how much I had. And I don't diversify enough. Um, when it's a player like Robinson, who I thought was just going way too late for where he belonged, it's just odd. I, I will end up with him in every draft I can. And when it fails, well, I got to figure out. So you manage your roster appropriately. Um, I like to miss on running backs rather than receivers. And I like it because normally with running backs, if you invest wisely, the only thing you're really you very rarely notice if you were to do an audit of my work over the last 15, 16 years, 18 years in the industry, I guess, 18. Yeah. 18th year. You will notice. I don't miss on running backs very often. The, when I do, it's because of an injury. 
I don't miss on the player or the scheme because I don't believe in the player. I believe in the scheme produces running back points. I've felt that way for ages. And like Eckler, Eckler, my producers love, they love the irony because I've shit on Austin Eckler for like two straight years. And then I go into 2021 last year, loving him. And everyone's like, what the fuck? Why the fuck do you love him? It's, 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 it's just because he's the same doesn't mean his production will be. And of course, so I was right on that. And it led to championships and, and great things. So that's how I invest in running. And that's why I believe in handcuffing. So when I miss on running backs, I'm not that worried because it'll be an injury that hurts me. And then I'll have the backup most of the time anyway. What sucks is when I the backup comes in and I don't have them. Somebody stole him because and the only reason they stole them is because they thought they were going to have some sort of production, um, standalone production, which just never would have happened had the injury not happened. But Robinson hurt. Um, you know, you just got to find another receiver and you got to realize like, all right, well, those other receivers, who's going to be the guy that can step up? Who's going to be the, uh, you know, who, who's going to, the production I expected from Allen Robinson, who's going to be the guy, by the way, CD lamb also a little bit disappointing compared to where, what I wanted from him last year. Um, the guys that stepped up for me were like DK Metcalf, who I draft, I drafted, although I drafted him high and Jamar chase who thank God I didn't give up on. Um, and, uh, you know, that's, I can't, and then otherwise, and if you don't have another guy, right, if you don't have a chase that you drafted in round five or six or seven, that you are, that you're getting that Allen Robinson expected production from, then you need to play the, the game. And I did it on some of my teams. If you recall that random players, um, that I got production from for short periods of time, uh, included, uh, not now so I'm blanking on who that was. Uh, I'm totally blank. What if, uh, um, fuck. Oh, Van Jefferson of the Rams. When Odell Beckham goes down, I, you know, and go all in to get a Van Jefferson who has a nice, streak in there for us right i have uh um a player like Cortland sutton who i drafted in a lot of leagues to go with alan robinson who wasn't great all year but he had that nice four week span without jerry judy where he was a wide receiver one during those periods uh Corey davis who i drafted late that had a great start to the season you know just you got to kind of piecemeal it together and, you know, that's what it takes to win in fantasy football. You can't just write it off. That People that do that are like, well, I missed on this, so there's nothing I could do. Of course there's something you can do. And, and it's why I'm going to spend a lot of the summer talking to people. You know, how you do in your draft is important, but it's only important to give you, you a head start. You know, um, you ever seen Atlanta beat the freeze? They have to beat that guy, but and they get a head start. What if and Mr. Freeze wins like all the time, except he's lost like four times only in a race around the outfield. Go check, beat the freeze, Google it if you don't you've never seen it. But the um the person racing against Mr. Freeze is a world-class uh, racer and sprinter. They get a giant head start. 
should Mr. Freeze just say, or the freeze, whatever you call him, say, say, oh, fuck it. Well, they have a head start. Nothing I could do. No, you, you fucking run. You run your hardest. You put your head down. And eventually, you know, while that person's looking back, I go, oh, shit, he's catching up. You're passing them. That's what it, you need to have in fantasy football, majority of fantasy football contests. You need to have the best team in week 17. Next last season when the championship game is. That's all that really matters. It's all. So everything else is really moot. Having the best draft, having the best team weeks one through eight or, you know, four through 10, it doesn't really matter. You need to be good enough to get to the playoffs. And then when you hit the playoffs, that's when everything needs to, you need to be the best of the teams that make their playoffs. That's what has to happen. Everything else doesn't matter. You know, that's where people get obsessed with the projections and point scoring and things like that. And it doesn't matter. You don't need the most total points. I, I understand to win an overall in high stakes, you need best total points, but it's, it's such a incredibly waste of your time because it's such a hard thing to do. And it takes such a massive investment of multiple teams, multiple drafts, all of that stuff. If you want to do it, absolutely do it. I, I love it. Go for it. Be with God. But I'm not going to spend my time. I'm going to spend my time winning the league. That is really the most important thing to me. So there you go. Um, other man, I have a lot of ask man's anything questions. I'm running out of time here on a uh, busy podcast. Are you and Ted still DFS partners on all your DFS sports and content? Oh, good question. Uh, the answer is yes. We're always partners with that. Um, you know, I mean, but I'll say this. I play a lot more on my own these days. And during the football season, we sort of split it up where he did the cash. I did the GPP just in the accounts, even though we both have say so in each other's lineups, um, you know, but I mean, we're partners. I just, you know, it's the way it goes. It's kind of like anything where, you know, I, I don't have problems. I know I, I I'll, I'll go out on this note. I'm the front man now for a lot of the things on fantasy guru, elite fantasy, elite sports, all this stuff, front man. And um, I take that with a lot of responsibility uh, and a lot of, cause when I, if you guys remember my career at all, I was my own company, head of my own company. Great. Everything, you know, good and led the company, blah, blah, blah. I did it with my friends and family. And then that didn't work out. So then I went to another company where I was the, uh, I think I was second in command, second or second or third, whatever. I got a you know decent. That guy never paid me, still owes me money to stay. So I left. I formed with my partner at that company. We formed another company. That company did not do very well, but it was a partner, true partnership, and um, and it lasted maybe a year. And then I talked with Al Williams and Fantasy Alarm Company, and I decided I'm joining them. And I joined them just as a guy. wasn't ever going to be anything really. Uh, but eventually built the company, started having success, had ownership in the company um, right from the get-go and, and built Fancy Alarm into a, a great company where I was at first like, I don't know, fifth, sixth guy in line. Then I was the kind of the front man there for a while uh, as well. And then I was as front man of Alarm on the radio doing all the things I want to do. And I took a chance coming over to Guru Elite at that point where I would be 
sort of the CEO of the company, but I would be sort of third or fourth in line as far as the face of the company. Tommy G was the face of the company and, and, and Jeff Collins and you know, you know, guy, Kevin Adams and guys like that. And I, I don't have any problem playing my role, right? I really don't. People always think I'm an egomaniac and that I, I just think, I just like the right thing to do. You know, like we talked about the gun control. I don't think I am going to solve the world's problem. I'm smarter than anybody. In fact, I don't think I'm smart at all. And I don't really care if I'm smart, dumb, anything in between. What matters is getting things done and doing things, getting, accomplishing goals, checking boxes, doing what you have to do. That's the, that's the important thing. And so when it comes to partnerships, like with Ted and stuff, Ted always says he's, Ted doesn't care about the radio. He doesn't like talking it's hilarious when his family learns that he's on the radio you know he's not that guy but he does it he compliments it. it's a good show because we've known each other i could say anything to him he doesn't care if i talk a lot or not talk a lot right it does you know which i will do majority of the talk it's like penn and teller they're a great duo because they know each other's roles respect each other's role but at the end of the day you may think well jeff's 80 percent or 90 percent and ted's 10 percent. no it's 50 50 just like with Ray Flowers on the show, just like, you know, and Phil and Sandra and people are part of the show. They're equal partners. All right. You know, just because I say the most or even am the decision maker, I'm the decision maker after CJ Kaltenbach and Armando Marsal and Tyler Beaker and Duke and the guys I work with, Ted and Ray and everybody, they tell me what they want and what they feel. And I'll agree with them. Or maybe I don't agree with them, but they're always considered. Always, you know, and, and ultimately what matters is those of you listening to this podcast, those who listen to the XM show and our subscribers and customers, because ultimately what our job is to make you ha the happiest and provide the best service for all of you. That's what really matters. And if that is me talking a hell of a lot, I'll do it. That means me sitting in the background and making business decisions. I'll do it. If that means me being a sidekick and co-host which I've done again, Tommy G and all that, I will do it. Whatever it takes to give the best product. That's it. You know, um, I believe that I made that mistake with my high school football team. I've talked about, I walked off the team cause I wasn't QB one. I didn't think I would, and I did that. And I, I got seven other guys to go with me. We all quit the team. It was most embarrassing thing I've ever done. And I will never do it again where I put myself and my own ego ahead of everybody else. And worst part is I convinced others to, you know, to abandon the team as well in order to appease my own ego. Cause that was all it was. If I was really the best QB, I would just win out over time. I would just take that job over all of us. We don't, you don't need to be given anything. I tell my kids this all the time. They go through it constantly where they're not given the grade they want. They're not given the opportunity they want. I said, well, you, you just keep going. You keep fighting. You keep clawing for it because you'll win out over time. You always do. And just play the role that the right thing for you to do. And sometimes you're supposed to be a background person. Sometimes you're on the front. Sometimes you're, you know, whatever Winners win. I say that it's a call mark of the show, but it's the truth. And winners also are willing to do whatever it takes to win, you know, 
And um, I don't know how I got there, but yeah, 10, 10 I are equal partners. Uh, always will be. It's just the way it goes. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I be, that's just the way I believe in the world. You know what I mean? It's like, uh, um, it's funny because the wife and I had this, I don't know, a couple of years ago. She doesn't work anymore. Meanwhile, um, and so she thought, well, somebody had made a comment. Oh, you're at home all day. What do you have to do? For one, I mean, I will fucking go through a schedule. My wife works so fucking hard does everything for our family, everything for our house, for my brother. She helps, she helps my family. She helps her family. Like it's appalling. Anybody would even suggest it, but you know, um, doesn't have to work at this point. But meanwhile, she ran a daycare out of our house for like 12 years. And when I decided to leave my cushy government job years ago to pursue this stupid fantasy sports thing. And I made no money. It was making a thousand dollars a month or $500 a month at that point doing fantasy. She's the one that worked and brought in the income, you know what I mean? And that's a partnership though. And now she doesn't have to worry about work, but she still does work around the house and everything around the house. And she does things so that I can do my job around the house. And that that's a partnership. That's what it is to be a partner. It's like your roles will change, right? And, and like, so even though roles change and, and circumstances kind of change and you know, DFS legal here, one thing we always do is make sure we adhere to all the rules and regulations, pay of all, all of our taxes, make sure we're reporting the right income, like all that shit's and not breaking any rules on the site. That's our number one priority. And after that, you know, what we do with the, our, our money is our decision. And, you know, so that's, that's what it's like having a DFS partnership or you know, any kind of partnership, business, personal. I hope that makes sense to those out there. All right. I'm way over what a podcast this was. Hopefully you guys liked it. You know, follow me at Jeff underscore man's on Twitter, the Jeff man's on Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, and TikTok. brand new. I haven't done a TikTok in a long time, but I'm going to be starting doing one almost, uh, not daily, but I think four times a week is the uh, the goal. Um, the Jeff fans on TikTok as well. So make sure you follow me out there. Uh, Fancy football talking to car getting coffee coming soon as well. At Jeff underscore mans on there. Fantasyguru.com, the draft guide for 2022. As I mentioned, you're going to want the full season package. Just an FYI, it's going to be, it's, it's expensive. It's 99 bucks. You know, that's for everything. No, nobody has to spend that kind of money if you don't want to or you can't. That's for the season, um, not monthly or anything like that. But trust me that you will get automatically into our big event coming up this summer, which I'm super stoked about and excited about. So there you go. Hopefully I answered all your questions. Thank you, guys. Next week we will have Armando Marsal, Tyler Beaker, Russell Clayton for a special draft guide launch here on One Man's Opinion, we'll talk all things fantasy football 2022. Cannot wait for that episode. Um, come hang out with us in our Discord over at fantasyguru.com, whether it be USFL, five out of six weeks, winning over there, daily fantasy baseball, seasonal fantasy baseball, fantasy football. It's all sports betting. I was 6-0 and yesterday in my uh, MLB bets, up 8.5 units on the season. Excited about that. Yes, the title may throw you off. Yes, you probably disagreed with a lot. Maybe everything I said about gun control and guns 
or maybe even the sports element here on today's show. And if you disagreed with it, you're in luck. Why? You know why. It was just one man's opinion. That's it, everybody. We'll see you next time. Deuces!